You are listening to a Radio Free Podcasting production. For more great podcasts like this, head on over to RadioFreePodcasting.com. Welcome to the Finer Things Club Presents High Tea in the High Republic A podcast about books from a galaxy far, far away With your hosts, Carly and Patrick Welcome to the Finer Things Club I'm Carly And I'm Patrick And today we have another special branded episode of High Tea in the High Republic To discuss the audio drama The Tempest Runner Mm -hmm. by Kevin Scott The first book we've reviewed that isn't a book right yet (laughs) yet it will be i'm sure and i believe when it is a book it's just going to be like a transcription right i believe that's what i've heard yes yeah it's a script of the audio drama will be published in march all right which makes sense so usually we talk about the authors but as we've learned through all of our other high tea episodes We've run out of authors for the High Republic books. (laughs) So Kevin Scott, we've already talked about. I wasn't really able to find. I did try learning to see if there was some new information about him I could get. Mm -hmm. Um, And I did find an interview where he did talk about writing The Tempest Runner and working on that. And I feel like the only information I really learned from that that I thought was, let's share this on the podcast, is that he sees the characters Creve Trennis and her former master skier uh, as like mm-hmm. his babies. Those are his Got characters. It. Yeah. That makes sense. Because he also writes, I believe he writes the Marvel series, the Marvel comic yeah. series, mm-hmm. right? Because that's where they're kind of the main characters. Got yeah. it. Makes sense. But there was a bunch of like interviews where everybody's always saying like, Kevin knows what he did because as we recall, he did write the rising storm. And there were mm. some <laughs> upsetting character deaths. But mm-hmm. I also feel like all five of them did that. That wasn't just on Kevin. Yeah. So that's really oh, yeah. unfair to him. So speaking of The Rising Storm, I had mentioned to you about a comic that was coming out called High Republic Trail of Shadows. I don't know if you remember that one. And I said it was like a murder mystery set during okay, this time. Okay, I do recall you mentioning that. So I finally got around to reading it because – so. I think in our previous episodes, unless I'm remembering it wrong, I think I was referring to the first set of books, like the first adult book, junior book, and young adult book as like phase one. And then the next round like that we're in is phase two. And then I was looking online and I'm like, oh, no, no, no. They're considering the first three rounds of books phase one. So the stuff that's coming out January, February, March is considered the end of phase one. Okay. Which makes me even kind of more excited like something big yeah I'm sure from, will happen from what i was reading it's like they think this is going to go on for a long time and he yeah. was saying that the stuff that's happening in these books right now and especially talking about like setting up lorna d's background in this audio drama this is all just the beginning Hmm. and and when i saw that i was like oh you know what i should do because fallen star will be out soon I should finally sit down and read all the other stuff that I've been been holding on to or putting off. Like I even have short stories and like some Star Wars inside mm-hmm. ma- Insider Magazine. So I, I pulled down the list of like 
everything in the order that it takes place. And I highlighted what I've already read and I was going through and I'm like, oh, okay. I thought I didn't realize that the Trail of Shadows comic took place like starts. I think it ends after, but it starts before Tempest Runner. So I'm, I'm like, okay, I'll go ahead and start reading that. Well, I read the first issue and guess what murder they're investigating? Ooh, uh, let's see. It's the death of Loden. He's <gasps> the very first page. He's he's standing over the, the main character is like standing over a Jedi that is turned to stone, essentially. That's awesome. And I was like, oh, okay, I didn't know this. So it's that whole mystery. Like they don't know how this. Yeah, happened. how did he turn to stone? What caused um, it? And you see Bell in the background, like laying on the ground. And I think um, mm, now, of course, I'm going to forget one of the three main Jedi from the adult series. Uh, Elzar, Stellan. It's not Elzar, Stellan. So it starts with Stellan looking over the the stone body and then it cuts to the guy. It's like a Jedi investigator. He is a Jedi. He's not like a a investigator that works for the Jedi. It's it's funny because it's like he's a... A Jedi who investigates these things and it, they show him like in his office and it almost looks like he's in a cop office. You know? like, <laughs> so the very first episode is him taking this case. That's awesome. Basically of like looking into how this happened. And uh, I'm only one in, but my goal is to get completely caught up before we head into those last three books. Now that I know that they're end, an end of a phase, I don't, I don't want to have any loose ends where I miss something. Yeah. I, and it does really make me want to now reread, at least reread the books. I may not reread all the comics, but I think when the first, because I had talked about like, oh, maybe like in a year or so, I'll go through it all. Now I'm thinking there's going to be a break after phase three ends or phase phase one, the third part of phase one ends before the next round of books. And it took us a while to catch up when we first started doing this. But now that we are reading them, like as they come out, I'm like, that might be a good time to just sit down and power mm-hmm. through the nine books and see the things I've missed. But anyways, I thought you might like that because when I opened it, I was like, no way. I know who that is. (laughs) And at first I didn't because I was like, what kind of alien is that? I'm like looking. And then I realized it was a Twi'lek Twi'lek with the the head tails cut off. Oh, yeah. And I was like, oh, my God. Anyways. Awesome. Yep. So I I am now caught up in all the reading up to Tempest Runner. And I just need to fill in that gap between this and when Fallen Star happens and nice it's a lot yeah oh my god that's what's crazy when they say that this is going to go on for a long time this has got to be a huge commitment from these five writers because mm-hmm. they're writing the novels they're writing the comics they're writing these short stories i had to order this other book of like just co- random collected stories that i think they were selling at target at one point and i was like oh, i'll get that at some point it, it almost looked like a star wars christmas book yeah and it's stuff that's coming out like every six months yep so it's nuts. It's a massive project. Yeah. And I, I wonder, and like, they haven't said anything and I, I assume they won't, but I was like, I wonder if like in the phases, they mix up the authors and I kind of hope they don't like. Yeah, I agree. It seems like a big undertaking for, for these five authors to commit to this mm-hmm. long, but I would be disappointed. Well, I don't want to say I'd be disappointed because I wouldn't know until I read it, but I know I'd be sad at first if I hear the news that like they're changing. It'd be different if they're bringing somebody in. Yeah. Cause these are their characters that they created and they have these backstories in their minds. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But then again, plenty of authors do long series of their own, you know, like I'm going to write 18 books in my own sci-fi series. So why wouldn't they want to say I'm going to stick around Star Wars for five yeah, plus years? Yeah, go look at Orson Scott Card, who's got mm-hmm. 50 plus books, I think, on yeah. Ender's <laughs> Game pretty much. So, yeah, I will say one other thing I did learn through the interviews I was reading is that they're referring to these as waves. 
So I can okay. say that we've done like wave one, wave two, wave three of phase one. Ah, that's what they're I calling think. it. Okay, now we know the right yeah. terms because I kept calling it phase one. Because like, if I do think I one, also like, saw phases as well. So I think, like you said, like mm-hmm. all of these, you know, three waves make up phase one. So I think that might be a good way for us to refer to it as well. Yeah, yeah. Because it wasn't lining up with what I was calling mm-hmm. it. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to get confused now. Yeah, because eventually we're going to get to like but it, but, phase 15 if we keep going with this. Well, I thought it was exciting because if we were just calling it calling a phase a phase because it was a round of books, which we know now is a mm-hmm. wave, the idea that it's actually the first three waves are a phase, that's what made me think something big is going to happen. Like it's not just going to – they're not just saying, well, at the one and a half year mark, that's a phase. No, I, I think it's like something explosive is going to yeah. happen. and. I'll have to talk to you, too, about what order we do these books, because apparently they don't take place in the order they're coming out. Really? I was looking at the timeline, and Fallen Star is the last of the three in the timeline, even though it comes out first, which I'm Ooh, like, do oh, I wanna... I ha- I, I, do I want to yeah. wait? I don't know if I can do it. But if it does, like, if that's the if big one. If it's meant to be read that way, like, maybe we're supposed mm-hmm. to see flashbacks in the following two books. <laughs> I know. So, I have to think about it. I don't know if I, don't know if I have the the patience now that I'm caught up on yeah. the books. Like when they first came out, I was like, oh, this is a lot. I'll get around to this. And now I was like, you know, craving them. Like, when are they coming out? So it was one thing when originally I thought the other two books were coming out in February, but now it's March or January 1st, February 1st, March 1st. I'm like, oh, I don't know if I could wait till March to read all right. three. So we'll see. We'll all see. right. Maybe I just read Fallen Star, read the other two and then read Fallen Star again. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but we're not here to talk about Fallen yeah, Star. Yeah, let's get into the so Tempest Runner. I got all, I got all my, uh, my tangents and, and derails out of the way, For right? now. <laughs> There'll be more. That's what the listeners come for. too well. <laughs> yeah. All right, so I do have a good summary this time that okay. I actually wrote while I was still listening to it. So oh, nice. That's the way yeah, to do nice it. Yeah, nice and detailed. <laughs> the problem was, I thought, like, I thought the same thing. Like, I, I started it, like, a month or so ago, and then got busy reading other books. And when I came back to it, I'm like, I'm not that far into it. Let me just start over. And the second time around, when I was listening to it, I was like, yep, I'm glad I started over. I forgot so Mm -hmm. much stuff. And I thought to myself, you really ought to take notes on this. (laughs) Except that a lot of times I was listening to it on the treadmill. So I couldn't (laughs) take notes. (laughs) And I do remember thinking, well, maybe Carly will take notes. (laughs) Yes, I did. I took notes. I think I have a good summary. I actually powered through this in one whole day. I did it yeah. in two. So I just sat there um, at work, listened to the story. It was great. It made yeah. my work day a lot better. <laughs> and I think that's the problem. The first time I was trying to get through it, I was a little distracted. And I felt like I wasn't 100% sure that I had followed what was going on. And when I went into it the second time, I was very focused. And it made it easy to just keep going because I wasn't questioning things. I wasn't backing up. I was just like, nope, I got it. I mean, keep moving mm-hmm. forward. Now, the question, of course, is, um, will I remember it well enough (laughs) to talk about it because my memory is like like a goldfish but i'm gonna do my best okay so let's have our summary sure following a failed raid lorna d is captured by the jedi the republic believes that she is the eye and leader of the nihil so she fakes her death and gives a different name to her captors from there lorna d is taken to the restitution a prison ship where she works to keep her identity a secret meanwhile pan ada a former Tempest runner that Lorna helped betray and left for dead is on the hunt. He finds her on the restitution and decides to attack before he dies from the previous injuries he's received. After negating his attack and killing Pan, 
Lorna takes the restitution and goes after the remaining Nihil. And I thought that that plot device was pretty brilliant considering you you figure that they had to go into this going, okay, some of the people that are reading the books are never not going to do an audio drama. They just don't. So you have a major character death, but if you don't read this, you already thought he was mm-hmm. dead. So <laughs> it worked out really well in that you not that you should skip this one, but if, but like, if you, you were just going to choose not to yeah. do you would have already thought this guy was dead and it's no big mm-hmm. deal. And you just don't get all the backstory of who she is uh, and how she got here. So that to me, I thought was a great way to do. It was kind of like a, a side yeah. story because at the end, as far as the main plot, the stuff that did happen, you can get away with not knowing. Like you get a bunch of her backstory, you get her on the prison ship, she escapes. If anything, if you skip this book, I'm sure in the next book, all I have to mention is like, well, she got captured and yeah. escaped. They don't. They may not even. They may not even mention that. Oh, by the way, the guy you thought was dead wasn't dead, but she killed him. But that wasn't the thing you didn't listen to. Like you don't have to mention it. So I thought that was really smart. Because mm-hmm. um, I, I wondered that too. Because at one point we were talking about whether we would do this episode or not, because it wasn't a yep. book. And then, and I, I was like, well, I'll get the audio drama, and it. And I wasn't sure how important it was going to be. So like uh, kind of with the comics, like I'll get to it when I get to it. And then when I decided to go go through, like try to catch up on everything in order, I'm like, I should sit down and listen to this because I want to do everything in order, especially when I knew that it, this phase was coming to a close. And I was impressed by the way that that <laughs> it's it's a double edged sword, right? Like you want to tell a story that you for people that skip won't feel like they miss anything, but you don't want to feel like you're wasting the, the time of the people that did listen and go, well, nothing happened yep. in this. It it reminds me of, I've probably complained about this a lot too. In the old Star Wars books, they would try to write books that took place in between um, Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. And they'd squeeze things in, but you know where they all have to end up. And you can't do anything that's so important that you would watch Return of the Jedi. Like they introduce characters, new characters after Empire Strikes Back when they're trying to like track down Han Solo and Carbonite, but they have to write them all out before <laughs> it ends because those people weren't in Return yeah. of the Jedi, you know? Yeah. Like, and and when you're done, you're like, well, this was interesting, but was it really important? Like, did it move the story? No. <laughs> and I thought this did a, a really good job because you got a ton of background and now you know who she yeah, is. Yeah, you know why she's making the and, decisions that she's making. If you're mm-hmm. somebody who can sympathize with a villain, maybe you can sympathize with her now. Mm-hmm. And I also wonder, I don't know uh, how long uh, Marshawn Rowe will be in the story, like in some of the comics and maybe in some of the books too. It seems like where we're going to in the end, the third wave of phase one, he's talking about like his like ultimate plan. Like this is the big battle he's been gearing up for. So I wouldn't be completely shocked if phase one wraps up his story. Like he could die at the end and she steps yeah. in. So and then she's the new big bad. We're, yeah. Cause we're getting a lot more of learning more about her story and her motivations than we do with mm-hmm. him, which I think is, I'm sure there's still more to come. I know they're doing like a two issue comic series that tell his backstory, but I still think the important stuff gets tell, told in the novels. So if, if they do choose to wrap it up or maybe he makes it through two phases and then she becomes the big bad, I feel like they're setting her up to be more important in the long yeah. run that maybe he kicks this thing off and he is the leader of the Nihil, which was cool. We got to see, how that all happened this time. I don't think they had covered that in the other books, right? Like he suspected that his father was murdered. Yes. But did he actually know? He thought Kasav did it. Yeah. Right. So in this, this one, that's the, the big piece of the puzzle you get. 
I think the most important things you get out of this one are things that's happened in the past, like little little yeah. reveals that she double crossed everybody. They were going to kill him. <laughs> she she played both sides and then went and killed him herself. Yeah. So you learn a lot. Yeah. And and I think that's to me was the thing. I'm like, that's important. There's a reason they're doing that. They're setting her up to be someone that could take this all over. I my guess is maybe is that at some point uh Martian fails and she and they maybe the Jedi think they've they've mm-hmm. won now and they then she steps in and takes over. So it's good mm-hmm. stuff. To to loop back around to Pan real quick, I just the whole time I was reading it, it's like you really need to confirm you killed this guy. <laughs> it took me right, <laughs> right back to the movie Zombie Land where it's like double tap, like confirm your kills. Uh-huh. <laughs> this uh-huh. guy just keeps coming back. You got to go make sure he actually died. Yeah. Okay, so let's talk about the the audio drama itself because I mm-hmm. don't think I've ever listened to an audio drama before, unless I did when I was a child. Okay. But uh, definitely not as an adult that I can recall. You probably did. Oh, no, you were not from the same generation. I was going to say you probably <laughs> did. And it had this line in it. You'll know it's time to turn the page when you hear the tone ring like this. Because <laughs> we used to get when I was a kid, we'd get them. They were like on either little records or a lot of times on a cassette tape. And it'd be like the retelling of Return of the Jedi or something like that. And you'd have a little book that mm. went with it. But you'd you'd flip the page when it would like ding or sometimes for the, for the star Wars ones, it would be, you, you'll notice time to turn the page when you hear R2D2 go like this <laughs> <laughs> and then it'd be a little sound and you need to turn the page. But so like I, I had a ton of them when I was a kid, but I've only done a few recently. Cause every now and then um, audible will have like free audible originals that are like short audio dramas. And um, so I've done a couple and there has been, there was one other Star Wars one for that I know for sure I got, and it was the story of um, Qui Gon Jinn when he was apprentice to Count Dooku. So it was pretty cool. And they did the same thing; they released the book later as just a script. And I was like, I don't know why I'm buying this. I'm never just going to sit down and read the <laughs> script. But I was like, eh, completionist. I need yeah. To have it. So what did you think of your first audio? It drama? was very <laughs> different for me. Uh, I definitely mm-hmm. think it made it a bit harder for me because they didn't include. Like, even in an audiobook, you get descriptions of things like so-and-so yes. sat down or they scratched their beard their or, too. you know, those yeah. little sort of details that the audio drama didn't really include at all. It was just dialogue back and forth and or like grunting because they're in a fight and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So it was a little hard for me to get used to. Uh, and I also kind of struggled with some of the voices you know, I, I haven't mm. listened to the audiobooks at all for the High Republic. So I got to hear all of these voices for the first time. And it's definitely not how I pictured Lorna's voice, uh, Martian's voice, or Avar's voice. Mm-hmm. They were all very like, that's wrong to me, but okay. <laughs> so that's where it's funny is because most of them sounded right to me. And the reason why is with the books that we've been doing. We've been listening to audiobooks, and they're not all read by the same person. But for this audio drama, they brought in a bunch mm-hmm. of people, and they were a lot of people that have done audio drama or audiobooks, Star Wars audiobooks. So when they were listing the cast at the end, I'm like, "Oh, I know him. I know her. I know that name." You know, and her voice sounded like what I thought it would because in a lot of the cartoons and stuff, when there's a Twi'lek, when they go back to Ryloth on their planet, they have that accent when they're among each okay. other. Like that's like their their native accent, right? Um, and I'm pretty sure for Pan Ada, like that was the voice they used on one of the books. And same with Martian, like he sounds really weird, but that's how he sounded in the gotcha. book. So for the most part, 
And I, I kind of wondered that too, because there was one audiobook that I don't remember which one it was. It might have been, it was one of the, the last two we did. It was either Into the Dark. I think it, or, hmm, I think it might have been that one. But the author was like, clearly hadn't listened to the other ones or just didn't care how they pronounce things and pronounce things slightly different. I'm like, ooh, this is jarring. But for the most part, the rest of them are very much in sync with each other and how they pronounce words or like, Martian's voice is usually the same no matter who's narrating. So, but I, I did wonder that when I was listening to it, I'm like, well, Carly's read the books. This is the first time she's going to mm-hmm. be hearing them. And that is very jarring. It's like, it's like when you read a book and then you go see the movie and it's like, I did not think that that's what they were yeah, going to look like. Yeah. Like Avar's you know, voice, I pictured Harry Potter deeper. Is supposed to have black hair. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Martian's, I didn't picture that sort of soft spoken, really like mm-hmm. kind of timid mm-hmm. sounding voice. Like in my exactly. head, he was a lot yes. more. Uh, you know, authoritative. And the first time that I, uh, the first book we did when we did the audiobook, I was like, what a weird choice for the villain. It's just that now that I've done six mm-hmm. books where he's voiced that way, I'm used to it. And I'm like, oh yeah, that's what he sounds like. But it's, it's weird. Um, and also, I guess after a while, it got to the point that it is, it's kind of like, it sets you, like, you, I guess if you put yourself in that world, it would, you would like let your guard down because you wouldn't expect. You know, when you hear that voice and you think about the fact that he was like the son of the other eye and they wouldn't they didn't really expect anything from him, especially when you get to this yeah. book, when they thought we can kill the eye and then we'll split everything three ways. And he's just like, all right, well, I'm the eye now. And they they didn't see that coming. So it kind of works like it, I, I was very much against it in the first book when we did uh, Light of the Jedi. I was like, why do they do his voice this way? This is going to drive me crazy. And then over time, getting used to it and going, OK, all right. I think people probably underestimate him and then lived it. Well, then regret it whether they lived regret it or not but yeah it's um i guess i've gotten used to the voices but i i definitely was wondering as i was listening to him like i wonder how carly's gonna <laughs> like this <laughs> mm-hmm. okay so let's also talk about the setting of this book because we do get a mm-hmm. lot of background on lorna but also i struggled at first to figure out like is this set after the rising storm is it set after um out of the shadows like when mm-hmm. when is Lorna being captured here? So what I determined is this is What's, out after out of the shadows. Yes, yes, and I'm almost positive there was some throwaway line about her being captured at the end of that book that it's like a blink and you miss it. And the only reason I think it stood out is because I knew, um, I think I may have known that this one was about her. Gotcha. Oh, yeah. And I think it's in there. And the reason why is they said something about her being captured. I'm like, I don't remember her being captured. And then I thought, was I supposed to listen to Tempest Runner first? And then I went and looked at what order it takes place. So it might have been just like, hey, sprinkle in a line that she gets captured. And then it will make sense when you come over Tempest Runner. Now, I could have heard it wrong. But for some reason, I think it's in. It's either in uh, Rising Storm or Race to Crash Point. But I think it was in Rising okay. Storm. Yeah, I tried searching it on the internet to see if it would tell me. Yeah. And it didn't give me a great answer. <laughs> It seems like it was just like a kind of like towards the end of the book. It was just kind of mentioned like when everything was wrapping Mm up. And that's the other thing. When that happened, I'm like, now I want to go back and read that again. Like, did I miss something? But I knew that it definitely took place after the fair because I think it mentions the fair. Yes, it does take place after the fair. I Um, do believe it takes place after Out of the Shadows as well. mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think that's maybe I said it wrong, but I'm pretty sure that's where at the end of that book it kind of mentions. I think they kind of like overlap a little. Like maybe the capture was supposed to take place. But yeah, I. And you, 
I didn't really get a sense for how long she was in any of the places she was in. Me either. And the one thing about the 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 one thing that's a little difficult with the audiobooks when they have so many flashbacks is knowing when they're flashing back. The what worked is the fact that for a good part of the book she was using a different name. So you mm-hmm. knew like, okay, if they're calling her Sal, we're in the mm-hmm. present. If they're calling her Lorna, we're in the past. But it, it jumped back and forth so much, like in the middle. Once you get to the middle, it's like she'd say like Oh, you were there and then flashback yep. for like a minute and then come back and, and then what happened? It's like, oh my God. <laughs> yep. This is a lot to keep track of. Where yeah, are they, we? They just took a brief uh, enough pause that you're like, okay, this is a flashback. <laughs> yeah, I think we come back. Yeah. They didn't do like the, the heart. Because <laughs> that would have been annoying if they did it every time because there were so many. But it still, it was it was tough to really keep track of like, let me make sure I understand when this is happening, especially when you get to the part that... Like, she's talking to Pan, but he's also in the flashback. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm like, I have to listen. Is he having trouble breathing? Because if he is, that's the present. <laughs> right. So then what are your thoughts on Lorna as a character now that we know, you know, this history of hers? She used to be sort of royalty. Right. She was betrayed by her boyfriend mm-hmm. kind of guy. <laughs> um, yeah. Put into slavery, escaped. And it definitely, she's had a very tragic background. Yeah. And that's, I think the sign of a well-written villain is like, you know, the villain isn't supposed to be like, I'm evil because evil, right. like they think they're the hero. And they, like, that's been a, a theme in Star Wars for a long time. It's like Darth Vader thought he was right. He didn't just say like, I just, I just want to be as bad as possible, <laughs> you know? And so I'm glad they're building that up. I'm, I'm, it makes me even more interested to see what Marcion's whole mm-hmm. deal is. Like, I want to know all of it. Some of the others, you get the feeling like, well, we're, we're pirates because we're pirates. But if they are setting her up to be the big bad down the road, I like that they're doing the work now versus once we install her as the villain, then we'll tell you the whole story. It's like, cause then you can, you can see it. And like part of you, you're not rooting for her to beat the Jedi, but you're rooting for her to rise in the ranks there because you understand how she yeah, got there, yeah. you know, kind of thing. So um, I thought it was it was well written because things just kept happening to her and kept just getting worse. And you you while you may not root for her, you understand how she got where she mm-hmm. was of, like you said, being betrayed, all the crap that she went through, um, having trouble trusting people at the end. You know, even even through the end of the book, I'm like, is she really coming around? Like, is she really considering starting her life over? Or is she just playing the long game like here? Like, is she and and once it got to the point in like the infirmary, I feel like maybe she would have considered starting over. But every time, you know, she she found that the uh, the guy whose name, of course, I forget, but he was used. She felt used. By him. It wasn't like. Yes, Councilor Wittick. Thank you. I'm like, I'm on the Wikipedia. I have it up and it ha- nothing has been written yeah. yet. There's only there's only an overview. I was like, no problem. I'll put that up like I always do. The names will be there. There's nothing. <laughs> but um, that was the other thing. I'm like, either Carly will have notes or I'll use Wikipedia. Wikipedia failed me, but I knew you'd come through. Um, yeah. So like kind of when that happened, I'm like, well, there there was like if there was ever a chance because I started to wonder, I'm like, what if this takes a total turn? She ends up siding with the Jedi. Like, I kept thinking, like, no, this is a mm-hmm. long con. So I was kind of wrong on both counts. I'm like, she's just fooling everyone. And at the end, it's like, no, this was my plan all along. And then as it developed, I'm like, well, what if she does turn out to be like, maybe this is how they turn the tide a little bit. She comes over to their side. And then she tells them, like, no, I wasn't in charge. There's a guy that's worse than me. But when you get to the end, you're like, okay, so she could have 
gone down a different path, but now she's like even more mm-hmm. dug in. And and that's why I'm like, oh, I think Marshawn's in trouble because I don't I don't know that they're going to have us be this invested in her and then have her go the way of every other um, Tempest runner and just get killed off so somebody else can take their place. I'm like, nope. Especially when you find out who she, she killed her, the father. I'm like, this is the one to watch yeah. right here. Yeah, I definitely see her as like, she doesn't necessarily think she's right. I think she knows she's doing bad things. She knows what she's doing is wrong. But she's at the mm-hmm. point in her life where it's just, I don't care. The world has been, right. not the world, the universe has been so cruel to me that I'm just going to take what I want. Yes. And who cares what happens to you? Because I just care about me now. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, because in the end, she still did something good for the other, the other she girl did. in the prison. Yeah. You know? And that's 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 where I went. Oh no no. Okay, she still does. Like she was having a a an, a moment here where she could have could have changed because otherwise, why would she? Why would she bother? Right when she stabbed, I forget everybody's name because it's an audio <laughs> drama. But when when she did the murder, in, in, and the thing is, the other girl was right there. It's not like she stopped oh, it from happening. Oh, when she killed she's Tesha. Like, yeah, she's like, I'm going to do this, and it was because she didn't want the other girl to just not only be punished, but have that mm-hmm. on her conscience too. Like you, you felt like not. It, and then she tells him like, she came here to try to stop me, <laughs> you know? So that was the last, like a good thing she's probably going to ever mm-hmm. going to do. Um, And I don't feel like then down the road, they're going to turn her good because that would, that would feel like, no, we already did this yeah. once, you know, we already tried this and she's committed. Yeah, now. I agree. I think we're going to get bits and pieces of her doing good things. Like, you know, possibly Quinn works for her now. So like, let me save Quinn's life yeah. or something like that. But yeah, yeah. we're not going to yeah. get, you know, let me help the Jedi save the world. Right. Do we want to talk about her childhood at all? And uh, her ex-boyfriend Bala and all of that stuff that happened. Shouldn't have trusted it, man. <laughs> I kind of feel like that's a very typical, like, spoiled, rich, you know, royalty person mm-hmm. gets taken advantage of and saw that coming. I I will say I saw some of it coming. I didn't think it was going to happen that mm-hmm. fast. I thought it was going to be a story of, like, how they convince her to, like, turn on her own family and then over time things go bad. But it was like, okay, yeah. boom. Um, and, now, and now you're out, mm-hmm. too. And I'm like, whoa. <laughs> Which made more sense for the story. It wasn't like – and then things – fell apart like our plan didn't work and in the long run whatever it's just like nope i trusted him and i got screwed immediately Mm -hmm. and i was like okay i see what they're doing here of of when when you relate that to how she's like screwed over everybody else in nihil too like every when she's got an alliance with them why would she keep her end of the deal she doesn't trust anybody um so that worked for me i mean yeah part of it i saw coming but i just didn't think it was going to be that fast but I did, I did like it. I do um, like that we did also get to see the resolution to that story that, you know, even though yes. she's the villain and you're not really rooting for her, you are rooting for her to get her revenge against this guy. Well, you're definitely rooting against yes. him <laughs> because she was a nice person when that happened. Mm-hmm. You know, there she may have been spoiled, but she wasn't bad. Right. And there was also no reason to really betray her. She was on your side. She was going to go along with mm-hmm. your ideas. So should we loop back around to Counselor Wittick? And his sort of sure. relationship with Lorna as well. I just sort mm-hmm. of like, I don't think I chuckled, but definitely anytime she was called him John, it was just a very yeah. like kind of, I don't know, like a more intimate relationship that you're calling this prison guard counselor by their first name. Yeah. It kind of, I, I, some of it, I was like, once, once he knew she was Lorna and not Sal, 
and he didn't report it. I, I had questions, mm-hmm. but then when you kind of see like towards the end, like his actual motivation was just to prove to himself that he could basically, you know, she was his project. Yeah. Then he didn't care. Like he, he, I guess it made sense. Like if he had turned her in for being who she is, he would have lost his opportunity to work on his project. That, that worked for me. Cause I was kind of struggling with that. I'm like, really? He's not going to tell anyone this can only end badly yes. for him. And wh- you know, why wouldn't he, unless it turns out to be like some weird love story, you know, but I thought it was actually a smarter way to go. Like all he cared about, uh, you know, with his final days was proving that he could basically rehabilitate someone. This is, this is who he's got to work with. And so, yeah, the second he told anyone who she was, she'd be gone. She wouldn't be in that camp. She'd be, you know, she'd be in whatever the, uh, High Republic's version of Guantanamo Bay was. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I will say that while I was listening to it, there was a point when he was trying to get her to admit to who she actually was, where I was thinking to Mm -hmm. myself, is she in a Jedi prison? Are they using the force on her and trying to like put these images in her head and making her think that she's in a prison? (laughs) Right. Yeah, I wasn't sure where any of that was going to go until you realize it was it was basically set up for her to do something mm-hmm. good while she was there. But I was I kind of assumed she would escape by the end. But as it was getting inching closer to the end, I'm like, does this this book end? And they've still like she's still imprisoned, and it's just literally the backstory. And I'm like, okay, no, we got to that last part. And I think it might have been in my head. I counted the number of chapters wrong, wrong and like. So when it, I think it said like chapter six, I thought, oh, this is it. This is the end. There's one more after this. And it's the, it's like the epilogue. And there was one more big one before the epilogue. I'm like, okay, there's a whole lot more. (laughs) So something like that. I thought it was closer to the end than I was. So I started to wonder, I'm like, well, maybe, maybe this just ends and she's still captured, which would be Mm -hmm. strange. Like not a whole, not a whole lot happens. But when, when you realize, you know, when you, when she thinks Pan is dead (laughs) for like the second time, um, but that that ends up being her way to escape. And then she takes them all with her. I'm like, oh, I get it. I see what they're doing here because now she's got all these prisoners <laughs> that are her, you know, her yeah. new storm. Because that's the thing. I guess I wasn't thinking about during, like, even if she gets out, basically most of her crew was like slaughtered, right? Like, yeah, there weren't a whole yeah. lot left at the, after the start. I wasn't or really there in other prisons, maybe. Like, he, yeah. And if she even, because, you know, if she had just gotten out and gone back to the Nihil, she wouldn't really have anyone following her, but to come back with a whole new crew, that makes sense. And because for the most part, you don't need to know who most of her crew mm-hmm. are. It's the same kind of thing where if you skip this altogether, when you pick up the next one, she's got a crew and it can be some line of like, she recruited a bunch of people from a prison done, <laughs> you know, but if you, if you do listen to this, then you get the little extra of knowing like why they're even more loyal to her because they're not just, they didn't just get assigned or she didn't, you know, pick them up from like a pirate bar and say, come join the Nihil. Like she busted them out of prison. So I, I I like where they're going with this. And, and I'm, you know, the idea that the other Tempest runners aren't going to have that, that level of loyalty from their crews. Yeah. And I'm also wondering, we don't know yet who's replaced Panada, do we? Yeah. No. So we're going to have to, what's the name of the, okay. What was the, you tell me again, the name of the first one. that Right. And then Kassav was replaced, replaced by, by the Talpini, whose name was Where's like Zitar. Isn't that the kind of alien that has like a suit? Yeah, 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 that tiny little guy in the big, yeah. like, mecha suit. Tiny little suit. guy in a suit. I a big think suit. it's yeah. Zitar. 
Right. And so I'm assuming that we'll we'll find out who the next who Pan Ada's replacement is once we get to right. like this next round of books, probably in probably in Fallen Star, maybe sooner, depending on what order they really go in. But um that reminds me, like it's weird because that that list they, it's just a list and it shows them taking place during the same year. So not necessarily the wrong order. It could have been like the order the books were announced and people are just updating the list. So I, I kind of want to, gotcha. I need to dig around and see like if there's an official st- like Star Wars sanctioned reading order. And I feel like it's got to be the order they come out would just make more sense right. to me. Like wh- why else would you put this one out first? But I want to be sure. But that that's where I keep wondering like, what am I supposed to read next? Cause now after reading this, I'm like dying to see what happens next. Cause it's, the first time I've been really mm-hmm. caught up, you know, but, um, and, and cause I also have this curiosity of, of as I'm reading it, are they going to sprinkle in things you needed to know from listening to the audio drama? Cause not everybody has access to it or, or knows that they do or have ever done it before and would know to even go look for it. Like if you're just a person that goes to the bookstore and goes to the sci-fi section and looks at star Wars to see what's new, would you even know this right. was out? Or do they even want to spend money on on something that they can't put on their bookshelf? (laughs) Exactly. You know, so I think that would be difficult, which is probably why they released the script version of it for people that never look online about. They just, you know, that's what I used to do. I used to just go to the bookstore. See what's new. Yeah. I'd go to the new new science fiction releases and see if any any of them said Star Wars on them, you know, pre-internet. And then over time... Then I knew like the release date and I had it in my Amazon cart. I'm like, I need it on day one. <laughs> but I'm sure there are a lot of people out there that just go peruse and like, oh, new Star Wars book. I read the other ones, but would never know that there's the audiobook and the comic books that tie in and the short stories in the magazine, all the extra stuff. So I feel like those books in some way have to kind of make it really user friendly that it's okay. We won't bog you down with stuff you didn't know and make you feel like you can't keep mm-hmm. up. So I'm now I'm just very curious how they're going to do it. Because... A lot of times with the books we've been reading, the stuff in the comics, a lot of times are other characters, the Padawans doing their thing. And so you're fine reading the books, but this is a major character. Yeah. (laughs) This is all about someone who's been a major character through all of the books. Yeah. Speaking of that, uh, one of the other things Mm -hmm. that I did learn through the interviews about the Tempest Runner is that Charles Soule, author of Light of the Jedi, actually created Lorna. Mm -hmm. And so then he needed to oh. sort of pass on the baton over to Kevin to write this story. To write yeah. her backstory. Interesting. Interesting, interesting. So I'm I'm sure we're going to get more stuff like that where, you know, it's a character I created, but I'm going to let you go write their backstory or write, right. you know, their future stories and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Especially given that this is going to yeah, be a I, long-term I, project. Yeah, yeah. Because as much as like, you know, a lot of them must feel like some of them are their babies, you also have to be willing mm-hmm. to let go. And somebody might have a really good reason why they need to kill off <laughs> your, your character in their story. Um, but I feel like they've got to have a, a bigger idea of like, these are who the major players will be by the end of phase one, by the end of phase two, by the end of this whole ordeal. Mm-hmm. So that some of them must be untouchable on both sides. There have to be, you know, Um. Whereas with the other the other Tempest Runners, like you can just kill them off and bring in another one. <laughs> yeah. So I guess I lied. I do have one other detail that I learned from the interviews. Oh, that's fine. Um, that's fine. and that's that. Spoiler alert: the the okay. death of Loden Greatstorm um, okay. was always planned. 
Uh, okay. Yeah, it wasn't just, you know, thrown in there and uh, Kevin decided to write that in. Like, they knew that this character was going to die from the get-go. Well, and it makes sense now that I know that there's an entire series devoted to, like, researching yeah. his death. And <laughs> and I forget the name of the creature that turned him to stone, but, like, that's going to have to Was it a creature? extremely important. I thought it was a Wasn't it? artifact or something. The artifact. Sorry, not creature. Yeah. Like... The artifact they were building that he had, like, wasn't that part of it? Was yeah, the it was some thing? kind of weapon. We were like, "What is that purple thing?" You know? Yeah. So, like, um, so like that's going to be come come into play, right? And so you had to lose somebody. It wouldn't have made any sense to just like some random civilian gets turned to stone, and then all of a sudden we care about this person. So someone had to go. But I didn't see it coming when we were reading the book. You got all excited that he was going to escape. Mm-hmm. Um, but then to see how much stuff they've they built on top of that that they must have already had planned, like it mm-hmm. makes sense. It's funny that they pick on him like he knows what he did. That that cracks yeah. me up. So I have one other note that I wrote down that doesn't really fit into anywhere in, you know, our discussion. But I just loved this so much when it popped up in the audio drama that one of the mm-hmm. characters said, speak of the Sith. And I yes. loved that so much. <laughs> I wrote it down right away so that I wouldn't forget to discuss it. I heard it too, and I was laughing, and I'd forgotten about it. I, I, and I'm glad you reminded me because that that was a good one. Yeah, I just I, I like it when you know books and stories that are written in other universes have these sort of you know it's a it's a curse word that fits for them, or it's a phrase exactly, that fits exactly. for their universe. Now we've talked about a couple of the things that are coming up between the three books, and trying to figure out what order to read them in. But I don't know if you've seen this. This is the thing I might be the most excited about. It releases in January. It's a one-shot comic book called Star Wars The High Republic Adventures Galactic Bake Off Spectacular. <laughs> and it seems to be a crossover of Star Wars The High Republic and The Great British Bake Off. I feel like you somebody posted this, this somewhere. Did you send yes, it to us? This is or? Real, I don't think so. Uh, I've been I like I saw it just as I was scrolling through that list. I'm like, that's not real. Like somebody went on Wikipedia and just, and then sure enough, I went and even checked on like list of upcoming comic book releases. I'm like, oh my God, it's real. So I've, uh, I've tried to read very little about it, (laughs) but oh my God. I mean, that is an amazing show. I love it so much. So, (laughs) right. So which Jedi do you think is going to be Paul Hollywood? That's all I want to know. If somebody doesn't get a handshake in this comic, I'm going to be so mad. (laughs) I thought you might get a kick out of that. Yeah. Because that show is the obsession in this house, and this this series is the obsession for me. So there's two things. Like, if you had said, name something that you would love to see crossover but never will, I could have picked that. <laughs> I never thought that. <laughs> it just you know, I up. bought I'm, Paul I'm Hollywood's little cookbook. Not cook, uh Bake book, I guess. Um, and it's all in, like, English terms. So like, are you talking about how to bake? (laughs) Listen, listen, I know this isn't the regular show, but why don't you and I add this book (laughs) to the finer things list this week? (laughs) Are all, so what you're saying is like, are all the measurements going to be, I need to do conversions. (laughs) Yes, you do. And then he uses terms like, um, like caster sugar or something like that. And I had to Google, what is that? What is it? It's not right. something that you can just find here, and it's yeah. just it's just really finely ground sugar. To make the finely ground sugar, simply place about a quarter cup of regular granulated sugar into the milk. 
Because you said you had to oh Google it. Oh my gosh. Let's, we'll let it run its course. Thank you, Google. <laughs> um, you know, I got it. And I was like, I don't know if I'll end up ever making any of this, but I think I'll enjoy yeah. reading it. Because <laughs> I've gone through his website, too, and like looked at what like the recipes he puts up and little stories he tells about it. So I am going to attempt well, something I mean, I wonder- at some point someday. I have a, yeah. a food scale. You should tell me what you do. We'll try to do it at the same time and see which one comes yeah, out better. I was like, I need to try something simple, though. Nothing too complicated. I'm not going to start Ooh, with. We could um, put up photos <laughs> of it and and uh, and have Erica judge it and she won't know which one is which. We'll do it like a technical. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Welcome to the Finer Things Baking Yes. Club. <laughs> I'm totally down for that. Oh man! <laughs> All right, I got. I have to. I have yes, to read please. this to you. Just so. All right, um, Torben, buckets of blood, Buck, and Phantom Side face off in a brutal, intense, ruthless bake-off. Lightsabers and Jedi robes are put aside in favor of whisks and aprons as the two competitors bake Master Yoda's special pastry recipe. Oh my God! It is a technical. It's Yoda's, Yoda's recipe. recipe. Oh my god! Uh, but so the recipe Yoda requires is one extra special ingredient. He is. That's crazy. Uh, let's see here. But the recipe requires one extra special ingredient: a story. <laughs> <laughs> Buckets of blood and Cantum recount the tale of an epic battle as they whisk away, both hoping to win the prize of Padawan approval. Oh, maybe the Padawans are okay. the judges. It's by uh, Daniel Jose okay. Older. Yeah, I was going to ask you who wrote um, this. Well, it's it's him and then Avita Ayala team up in this heartwarming one okay. shot. So, oh, and then it says plus Bake Master Yoda's pastries. Oh, sorry, not Bake Master. <laughs> He's not the Bake Master. <laughs> I read that wrong. Plus Bake Master Yoda's pastries yourself with the recipe included in the back. Oh my yes. god, <laughs> that'll be what we cook. We're so getting this. That'll be it. There it is. Or bake. Why did I say cook? What's wrong with me? I'm trying to remember who Cantum Sai okay. is, and I'm struggling. He, like I remember, buckets of blood was just like an awkward Jedi who the- calls himself that. <laughs> but yeah, it's so weird. If you Google High Republic uh, Adventures Galactic Bake Off, he's on the cover. It's the two of them looking at each other with their bakes. It looks like it looks like they're bringing up their showstopper. <laughs> There are going to be some people that listen to this that don't know the bake-off and have no idea what we're talking about, but that's just too bad. Yeah, I think that needs to be added to the Finder's Things list. Absolutely. So I think whatever book we end up reviewing as the last book in in phase one, we'll have to bring our bakes <laughs> that night and eat that while we do the episode. Unless it ends up being like the recipe is all... No, it's because it said you could bake along. I was like, what if it says the recipe is all stuff that's like not real? It's all yeah, Star Wars no, stuff. I imagine you know? it's real. It yeah. you could bake along with it. That's awesome. Yeah, this is happening. We're doing this. <laughs> Thank you for Disney for making this happen. <laughs> totally. People that say Disney ruined Star Wars when they bought it. Just just send them a link now. to this. You never yeah. would have gotten this. <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> all right. That's all I've got. I think that's a that's good it. place to wrap it up. I mean, how, does it get any better than that? <laughs> well, this has been another episode of the Finer Things Club. High tea in the High Republic. 
Thank you so much for joining us on our discussion of The Tempest Runner by Kevin Scott. I've been Carly. And I've been Patrick. Join us again next time for another High Tea in the High Republic episode where we will discuss the next book coming out, Fallen Star. Which we haven't decided what order <laughs> Probably. we're going to yet. <laughs> probably Fallen Star. <laughs> oh, I should probably close out with my catchphrase, right? Of course. Right? Okay. <clears throat> As always, on your mark. Get set. Like and subscribe. Bake. You forgot. Bye. Oh, that, that's it. On your mark. Get set. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>